This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Rondé Barber. You're listening to Ira, I think that's his name, and Clark on the iTest for Two. To the second installment of this week's I Test for Two, otherwise known as the Tampa Bay Bucks Podcast Network. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And that was the original 1979 yeah. Tampa Bay Bucks fight song, which Ira, you may remember. You may remember. Uh, I, I remember that team. It was a heck of a Bucks team and a heck of a defense. Yeah, it was. Led by Leroy Selman. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, I know our producer. Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon, who is with us today, as he always is, does not. And Ara, <laughs> I doubt today's guest does either. That's because Hall of Fame linebacker Derek Brooks, he was six when it was pushing the Bucks to the 1979 championship. But he's the perfect guest to celebrate today's Bucks. Now, Derek, as you guys know, yeah. played 14 seasons with the Bucks, was an 11-time Pro Bowl choice a nine-time All-Pro, a first-team All-Decade member, the 2002 Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> I'm almost out of breath here. A first-ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame choice, a Super Bowl winner, and a member of the NFL's 100th anniversary team. In other words, guys, he has all the boxes checked except for one. And that's talking to us. So now he does. <laughs> oh Derek, thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. Oh, man. Thank you, guys. Uh, anytime, Clark. I, I'm honored to be on. Obviously, uh, I know how difficult it is to share a podcast with our Kaufman. <laughs> so you and I have something uh, in common. So my sentiments go out to you, uh, Mr. George, <laughs> but Mr. Judge, for having to uh, put yourself in this role. So I completely uh, understand that Thank but you. In, in, all, in all seriousness so I, I'm excited uh, to be talking to you guys particularly about you know what we are in right now and yeah. that's playoff football Super Bowl football involving our Tampa Bay Buccaneers it's it's been about 18 years since we've talked Buccaneer football uh, this late into January early February and uh, this town is exciting uh, to be honest with you, our, our Bucks, you know, have done their part in getting there and making history. But as I talked to some of the players, they're, they're not satisfied with just getting there. It's all about winning uh, this upcoming Super Bowl. So uh, we're excited. And, and the stage has been set. You know, our Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Our Tampa Bay Rays, even though they fell short uh, two games of winning the World Series title, but they made it. So uh, it'd be coup de gras and icing on the cake if our Buccaneers are able to pull off a Super Bowl win. Derek, thanks so much for doing this. I, I know how busy you are in, in the next two weeks. Mr. Brooks, I'm, I'm going to start right at the top. 
Um, a, th- a three hour phone call between you and fellow Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. Oh, <laughs> watching the NFC championship game. Tell us what that phone call was like, my man. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it was very rare air. Uh, it was, uh, as I tweeted out, probably, you know, one of the special moments. Uh, Warren and I, you know, we shared a lot, you know, throughout our lifetime uh, together. But, you know, sitting there and watching this game, and we're on the phone every other play, you know, we're rewinding, the, we're rewinding, pausing, just doing the things we do from our football eyes and breaking down the game and, and and sharing, you know, our thoughts and what we think the Bucks were going to do, anticipating what the Packers was going to do. Uh, as I said, it was so much fun to uh, be on the phone with him, uh, breaking down uh, this game. And and we joked and said, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with our minds. Our bodies just can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we have and the same problem. You know, <laughs> Derek, Warren's been known to nitpick, you know, and, and anybody who plays especially defensive tackle, uh, Derek, he can be a little tough on. But during yes. the course of the game, did you uh, did you sense that Warren Sapp had a lot of pride in the way the Buck defense was playing, Derek? Oh, yes, uh, absolutely. You know, we were going back and he – you know, and I started seeing some of the early things. We, he was he was starting to bring my attention to, you know, the different stances that Shaq Barrett was doing. You know, he was standing up from a two-point to his right leg back, his left leg back. He even called out one of J.P. inside moves. He, he felt it was coming just from the way uh, J.P. was leaning on his third step. I mean, it's that type of insight that, you know, that you don't get. It was me – uh, telling him, hey, man, watch Roger's eyes right here, man. He's trying to get some of the steps, and I hope they don't go for it. So we were, I mean, just going back and forth. And even, even our own, you know, offense, we were, you know, recognizing things that we were doing uh, that hopefully can I won't say that because I don't want Kansas City to pick up on any of this, but <laughs> uh, we saw some things that our team was doing that we uh, discussed and talked about. But absolutely, uh, Warren was, was definitely giving credit uh, to the Bucks' uh, defensive line uh, for creating some uh, uncomfortable situations and getting uh, Aaron Rodgers off his throwing spot. And Derek, talk a little bit about next week in Tampa. It's going to be an unusual Super Bowl week with the COVID. But Derek, what's your message to uh, fans who are thinking about uh, coming down to Tampa for the week? Uh, you know, I'm always start with you know being safe and being healthy uh, <clears throat> as being co-chairman of this host committee. Uh, as we talked about <laughs> in the last two years, it's had its struggles. Uh, we've had to rewrite the playbook when it comes to putting on a Super Bowl. Uh, the previous 54 Super Bowls has not had to deal with the health pandemic. So a lot of things that we learned from Atlanta and Miami, even Minnesota, we had to throw some of those things out and rewrite them for the next Super Bowls, Vegas, L.A., to give them some sort of blueprint to start with. So, you know, we were nimble on our, nimble on our feet and adjusting uh, across all boards in all areas. And then there were some solid things that obviously we had to tighten up to make sure that it's safe and healthy. So that's my message to everybody that, hey, we've got to take care of each other. You know, let's make sure we're following all the health, healthy and safety protocols that we put in place. And I think if we do that, you know, we can have the most enjoyable Super Bowl under the current circumstances. So 
Yes, there are some things that are planned. Yes, we have to limit the capacity around a lot of things we're doing, but that doesn't mean we can limit the experience. We want the experience to be the best that it possibly can uh, for everybody that's coming to the game. We're the Hall of Fame linebacker Derek Brooks here on the eye test for two. And Derek, I want to follow up on what Ira just asked you. <clears throat> not so much about the fans, but about the teams themselves. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to have a full stadium, because it's going to be, I don't know what it is. Is it 22,000, something like that? I, yes. I don't know what. Okay. Because you're going to have that number of people. And, and I think aren't 7,500 of them um, uh, yes. workers or something. And that's great. I think that's terrific. But because you're not going to have a full stadium from a player's vantage point, is there a home field advantage? There should be because Tampa's there. There should be, but will there be? <laughs> yeah. You, you just have to naturally feel it. You know, probably most of the workers probably going to be Bucks fans. Uh, you know, one thing the Bucks will be losing, I doubt if they'll let the Bucks fire the cannons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, you, if there's, you know, scoring. So, you know, the NFL, and again, we've started to discuss some of these things that I can't disclose right now, right. but trying to make this as neutral possible because, again, if there's going to be uncharted territory, why not this year with everything else going on in exactly. history? So we are trying to make this as neutral as possible. But, Clark, uh, to be honest with you, it's going to be in a Buccaneer home game, no matter how you slice it, because it's going to be a lot of fans now. For the Chiefs, the advantage of them playing here already, that, again, is advantage to them. So I don't know how much of an advantage uh, is going to be, but to the most part, the Bucs are going to like to think it's going to be an advantage. Well, since you mentioned it, can the Bucs fire the cannon? Do you know that? Can they fire the cannon after a no, touchdown? No, they're not going to be able to fire the cannon. Oh, they got no. To, they, they may fire them, but it won't be after the traditional touchdown score. So oh. they got to figure out another way to use the cannon. Well, if Ira's in that stadium, he'll try firing the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he probably certainly will. But, again, uh, get back to both teams. Even for the Chiefs, you know, normally they would have to come in early and, mm -hmm. you know, spend time with – so it's going to be business as usual as them. They're going to spend the next two weeks at home, sleeping in their own bed and not get it. I mean, treating it like a typical road game. So that's why I say some of the things that – you would typically say advantage when history is being made to a home team. None of those things are going to apply to some of the operational standpoints. So, again, doing the best we can from a host committee standpoint to make it as neutral as possible. Derek, uh, this is a Hall of Fame-centric podcast. So I'm going to ask you about the glory days of that Buck defense over an extended period of time. And, Mr. Brooks, I've heard it and you have. Why do we need so many Buck defensive players in? They only won one Super Bowl, and that's applied to Lynch and, and Rondé and Simeon. Derek, what is your response to the naysayers? Well, you and Clark have, have definitely heard my arguments with, you know, for my teammates. And, you know, I am going to say it's, it's definitely the sustainability over time. Uh, yes, we were great in terms of being dominant for six, seven years together and putting up consistent numbers year in and year out. Now, yes, we fell short of a championship game, but through all those games and for the football, you know, guys that are covering it, you'll see it wasn't because of the defense. <laughs> you know, I don't like to point fingers, but when we start getting to this crux of someone's career, 
and talking about Hall of Famers, you got to go that level in terms of the detail in determining that. And you can see the performance of our defenders as a team and as an individual over those six years. We stayed consistent at a high level. It wasn't a dip. No disrespect to the 2000 Ravens, but the 2001 Ravens wasn't as good as the 2000 Ravens. But you look at us over a seven-year period, you'll see where we ranked from one to three to five. The lowest we were was six. And even with us being six, we still led in a couple categories when it comes to defenders. So, yes, uh, minus the championship rings, obviously, man, I wish we would have had them, but that shouldn't performance of a Simeon Rice, John Lynch, and Rondé Barber when it comes to Hall of Fame careers. And Derek, speaking of defense, you watch this Buck team like a hawk. You remember the first matchup against the Chiefs. Um, Derek, uh, without giving away trade secrets, what did Todd <laughs> Bowles do in the second half of that game um, that he can apply to uh, the Super Bowl matchup? Well, I, I think they'll look at it from a schematic standpoint, but understand, you know, it's two different teams you're facing right now. This is not the same buck defense that they played back then. You're talking just from a confidence level The right now, where they're playing, how they're playing. Yes, it's going to be some things that they're just, you know, within the system to prevent the big, the big plays and keep the ball in front of them. But I would just simply suggest this. Do what you do and make them beat you at their best by out-executing you. That's something that I don't feel that the Bucs did as a team the first time they played them. I think they got away from some of those foundational things that they've done to have success all season long. You saw them get back to that the fourth quarter of this season when that winning streak started. So I would like for them to stay on that path. Yes, it's going to be some wrinkles and I think Coach Bowles probably don't get enough credit for this, you know, as, as of today. They've made some really, really good in-game adjustments in all these playoffs games, whether it's been from the first quarter to the second quarter or first half to second half. From a defensive standpoint, they've made some really, really good in-game adjustments. And, again, I credit that to Coach Bowles and his staff. We're with Derek Brooks here on the Eye Test for Two podcast. And, Derek, um, we had Tony Dungy on here a couple months ago, and we were talking to him about Patrick Mahomes. You know, can, can, you, can you solve him? Can you figure him out? And he said, yeah, you can. You, you can. I mean, but it's going to be tough. What you have to do is you have to rush three or four guys and get to him with three or four guys. If you bring the blitz, he'll kill you. And, and I think we've seen that this year. I saw the Raiders do that. I saw the Chargers do that with, with some success. If, if you were my defensive coordinator – and I said, listen, we gotta, we got to beat these guys. Uh, we got one game. How are you going to attack Mahomes? How are you going to get to him? Do you follow what D Coach Dungy said, or do you have a different idea in mind? No, I, I completely follow what Coach Dungy said because I've been a part of, of that success where you find the most – you find the match, the mismatch up front, and you try to exploit it with a three- to four-man rush or combination of – and that's why I was saying it doesn't matter how you get to the three or the four-man rush. It's just using that amount of bodies so you can have those extra guys in coverage to do it. And sometimes with the Raiders, they did it with manipulation. Right. Sometimes it was three, four-down linemen. Sometimes it was two linebackers, two tackles. They did a good job of mixing up which 
which of the four men uh, rushed the passer, and that had some success on the back end. The other thing that they did, and including the Chargers, when Mahomes made a mistake, they made him pay for it. Yeah. Whether it was yeah. intercepting a pass, whether it was causing fumbles, they created the turnovers, and they did not allow an interception opportunity to be a pass breakup. They caught the ball and made it an interception. Yep, yeah, that's and right. That is something that, again, the Bucks are doing now is they're making offenses pay for the mistakes that they're making, and they're getting turnovers for offense. So I agree with Coach Dungey uh, wholeheartedly. Yes, it's a tall task. But it can be done. But you got to continue to believe in what you're doing and find that mismatch up front and tighten up those zone coverages. And just keep the ball in front of you. They're going to catch some passes. Mahomes is dynamic enough to make some plays. Keep the ball in front of you and don't give up the big play. Yeah, we had a teammate of yours on here last week, Booger McFarland, and he was talking about that. And I said, well, geez, Todd Bowles loves to blitz isn't that going to be a recipe for success uh, for uh, success for Kansas City, but certainly a recipe for disaster for the team that's doing it? And he said, no, because right. you can bring that if it's a zone blitz. You know, he doesn't know where it's coming from. You can get him that way. Is he right? Yes, you can. You, can, you, definitely, you definitely mix it up. Here, here's one thing that when you just go back one year from now that was success with the 49ers against Kansas City. Yeah. They went into that game so focused on Mahomes that the Kansas City running game actually won the Super Bowl for them. It was yes, Mahomes made a unique third down play and, and they came back with big plays, but it was the ground game and Eric Bayenemy sticking to that that got them back in the game. So the Bucks can't get so focused just on Mahomes and Kelsey and Tyreek and even Sammy Watkins coming back that they forget about this young rookie that's running the football. And if that's that to me is a key that let's not get so caught up on the quarterback. He's going to be who he's going to be, but the running game, make sure you make him have to throw the ball every down. And that to me gets into some of the things that Booger talked about and bringing the pressure package because now he has to think. Man, but if they're able to run the football, absolutely. They're going to be very dangerous to stop. Derek, one guy we haven't mentioned, uh, and this is my final question to you. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, number 12, under center, Mr. Brooks. Yeah. You faced him, Derek. You faced him as a defensive player uh, fairly early in his career. You faced him maybe more than once, and he had success against you know that great buck defense. Mm-hmm. Derek, over the years, your appreciation – for Brady, what's it like to face him as a defender? And how just how spectacular would this be if he leads the Bucks to a to a Vince Lombardi trophy? I think it's the one thing, Ira, that he he hasn't accomplished in, in his career. Yes, he's been to nine Super Bowls, this being his tenth, right? But he hasn't been there hosting a game. So this is new territory for Tom in terms of chasing history and making history. And that's what's exciting to him about this opportunity. And his experience is something that a lot of these young bucks are going to have to lean in. Let's face it, Ira, they haven't even had playoff experience, more or less than Super Bowl experience, <laughs> a core of this team. So Brady's leadership at a time like this, I think is going to be 
very critical in terms of how they approach things from not just uh, Tom's position, but from the staff and definitely to the players. And I'm just a fan of the fact that, you know, his ability to stay in the moment and stay so zeroed in and not be a prisoner of the moment, but make the moment and stay motivated. Now, some question his tactics when, you know, he shows those emotions and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, uh, his ability to stay focused, in my opinion, is second to none and stay in the moment. You know, Derek, at the end of the day, too, you guys got a great Super Bowl. You got a great Super Bowl. You're going to have people who can't wait to see Brady versus Mahomes. I mean, Brady kind of representing the past, but certainly a great quarterback today and maybe the next great quarterback of the future. Of course, they're both quarterbacks of the present, but maybe um, you know a mixing of the two. And I think for, for Tampa, it's a great thing for you guys. I realize COVID has has impacted you tremendously and, and affected what you can do and maybe the number of people who visit the city, but you've got one of the marquee games of all time. I mean, you've got a tremendous matchup. Right, exactly, Clark. I can't agree with you more. And, and why not have that yeah. when it's Super Bowl 55? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty good player wore that number. Hey, uh, I've got a couple last ones, and I want to follow up with uh, Ira on, on Brady. It, you went to one Super Bowl in, in your life, and you know how magnificent that was. I was out in San Diego, and uh, I used to cover the Chargers. It was at that game, and, and um, you guys destroyed the Raiders. You know what it was like to be in that game. This is Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl. In your mind, where does that achievement rank among NFL accomplishments? Well, it, it has to be top. You know, unprecedented. Again, uncharted territory, very rare air. But even with that, as I said before, this 10th Super Bowl still brings something different than the other nine. Mm -hmm. He's never been in playing for the Patriots that hosted a Super Bowl and playing in their home stadium under these circumstances, these conditions. Yes, they faced great opponents these previous nine, uh, absolutely. But that is something that's, again, a little bit different than the previous years that even for Tom, that has to have, take his level of focus to another level because it's different. And that's why I say they're going to lean into him and that experience in getting through this. So, again, that's why uh, I'm excited. One of the things that I said I, I appreciated and since he's been here, been able to uh, talk with him for a little bit more and even got my admiration, his ability to stay focused on the moment. And last question and the leading question, who do you like in this game? I know you're a former Buck. You're probably leaning that way, but who do you like? Well, uh, you know, being the fact that I've lived in Florida my entire life, um, even if my football senses was telling me to go otherwise, I would not listen to them. I am picking the Buccaneers Good. Uh, to win this game, and I'm picking it for all the right reasons. My own safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's like going to say, we're going to have to throw you off the Tampa Bay Bucks podcast here. <laughs> exactly. So I'm picking the Bucks to win, and and continue not just making history, but being the history by not just hosting a Super Bowl in your own stadium, but winning that Super Bowl. And that'll be a lovely icing on the cake for, cake for Super Bowl 55. I, I couldn't, say, couldn't write the story any better myself. 
Derek Brooks, thanks so much for the time. And you know what? Thanks for taking care of Ira on the other podcast. Really appreciate it. Hey, I know it's a tough job, Clark. You and I share the same thing. That's right. You know, and again, we one of these days we'll write a book about it. (laughs) I look forward to it. Derek, thanks so much. All right, take care, guys. You got it. That was Hall of Famer Derek Brooks. And Ira, you do do a podcast with him, right? You want to tell us about it? Uh, I, I do. It's uh, the Identity Tampa 2. He does it from his office at Amelie Arena. Yeah. Um, and, and Derek, he's got so much going on. Clark, he literally has three or four cell phones at all times, and he's getting all kinds of phone calls. <laughs> I understand why. <laughs> oh, you hear that, Ira? I think that's what's up to the Bucks fans. Who greeted the team last weekend at the airport? There's some of Ian's friends, I think. <laughs> Either that or maybe they're cheering for Derek Brooks. That was a great interview. But I think, you know what? I do think if there's a chance, and a good chance, it was for our weekly I Was There segment. And I, I look at the schedule. You're next up. Where were you? What happened? I was in frigid Indianapolis, my friend. Frigid Indianapolis. January 21st, 2007. Clark, we're going back 14 years. A classic AFC championship game while you were covering the NFC title game that day. Uh, I was in frigid Chicago. In frigid Chicago. In frigid Chicago. Uh, now, I had a nice uh, roof over my head, Clark, so I wasn't too worried about it. And here come, here come the big bad Patriots, led by Mr. Tom Brady. And lo and behold, and the Colts were stacked. They had a stacked team. What an offense. Edgerin, James, Harrison at their peak. Manning at his peak. And Clark, you turn around and they're down 21 to three to Brady and Belichick. I kid you not. They kicked the field goal a little bit before the half, 21 to six. You figure Brady's got a 15 point lead. This game is over, but it wasn't. Manning never stopped. The offense never stopped. Clark, 32 first downs for the Indianapolis Colts. 32, 455 yards. And when the dust settled, Clark, the scoreboard read Patriots 34, Colts 38. A game that Ian Glendon, who was a toddler (laughs) at the time, probably remembers Um, And to think, Clark, that the Patriots could blow a 15-point halftime lead on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. And, of course, the Colts went on uh, to win the Super Bowl, Clark. But that was one of the memorable games in Peyton Manning's career, without question. Ira, wasn't there an interception late? It was a Marlon Jackson. I think there was an interception late. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. Because I remember watching it, um, and and I was in the press box writing, I think, in, in Chicago. And I thought with Brady having the ball in the last two minutes or whatever it was, this game's over. And I think it was Jackson, but there was an interception. I, went, I believe I it was Jackson. Yeah, yes. I, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, that was that was a great game. Um, one of the few that Tom Brady lost. Um, okay, Ira, final thoughts. I'm going to double up on what you said, Clark. What a dream matchup. Yeah. What a fantastic matchup for CBS, for the National Football League. You know, look, the Packers with Rodgers would have been a good story. But Brady's a better story. Yeah, that's right. Because, because of where the Bucks have come from, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Clark, 
you couldn't ask for a better matchup. I, I agree with you, Ira. And all I can say is I just wish I could be there in Tampa with you and Ian so I could see you, Ira, driving the Super Bowl welcome wagon for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll be thinking about you with your fireplace uh, raging <laughs> over there, my man. Yeah, fireplace and chicken wings. <laughs> okay, that's going to do it. Ira, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. At iKaufman76, buddy. Yeah, and I know we didn't hear from Ian today, but Ian, where can they find you on Twitter? It's uh, at IGLEN31. And you can find me at, at ClarkJudgeTOF. And if we don't hear from you there, you're going to hear from us here next week at the eye test for two. Thanks so much for listening.